Hey everybody, welcome back to Church Public. We have a lot going on in the faith and culture world today. Thanks for joining us. Go ahead and get ready and let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to Church Public. I am really glad that you joined us today, that you're coming here to learn about faith and culture, what is going on in the world, and what you can do about it. This continues to be the craziest year ever. I don't know if you feel that way, but I do. Impeachment, China virus, riots, economic crash, open, shut, open, shut, open, shut, more riots, and certain people shouting and screaming and literally burning it all down. Well, at Church Public, we are interested in the intersection of faith and culture. There are a few things to cover today. We have a Catholic priest who changes the liturgy to be more racist, Jewish temples reciting Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and having religious beliefs now apparently are not allowed in politics at all. First, in New York, a few weeks ago, we have priest Father Bowler, not sure how to pronounce that, but... Uh, He rewrote the mass liturgy to be attentive to racial justice. And that sounds good. I mean, we want to be aware of what is going on around us. There's a lot of uh, threats of racism going on in our world today, and we don't want to put up with that. Uh, Let me say clearly, racism, judging someone based on their immutable characteristics like skin color in any instance is horribly wrong every single time and should be condemned completely. That is 100% true, and we need to watch out for that everywhere we see it. However, we are each accountable for the sins, the mistakes, the offenses that we commit. This is the gospel of Jesus. You are responsible for you. We are not accountable for the sins of our fathers. That's stated very clearly in the scripture. And in fact, there's no way that we could be if you even think about it logically. If my father did something, why am I held responsible for what my father did? I did not personally do that. We are not accountable for the sins of our country. Again, I I didn't do what I wasn't alive when this country was founded. I inherit what I have. And here I am, and now I make the choices to do good or to not good, not do good. There are the kinds of people who can do good. There are kinds of people who do not do good. Those are basic categories of humanity. We all have these choices to do the right thing, to not do the right thing. Those moments where you judge people, you judge their circumstances based on what they have not done, that is not Christianity. Christianity is actually judging someone for what they have done. And Jesus, the good news of the gospel, the thing that we need to keep remembering and remembering and remembering, the reason the gospel is such good news is we all have blown it at some point in our lives, maybe even today. But Jesus died, he paid that price for you, for your sins, for me, for my sins, for my mistakes, and he died for that. But to say that I'm responsible for slavery that happened 200 or 400 years ago undermines the very work of the cross. This says that Jesus was not enough to pay for my sins. If I offend you, if I act in a racist way, I am glad to be made aware of that to change my behavior. If I steal, if I lie, if I do a whole range of bad, evil, or dumb things, I will apologize for them. 
and I will be held accountable for them. And we have a justice system that holds people accountable for doing wrong things. That is how justice works. That is why justice is important. That is why justice is, in fact, blind. If you do something wrong, if I do something wrong, if anyone does something wrong, we have a system that judges you by your peers in the jury, right? And they decide how wrong your action is and then what the penalty should be. Then when you move that into the spiritual realm, God decides what your penalty should be. And unfortunately, because we all make at least one mistake in our lives, God, who is holy and makes zero mistakes, can't associate with us. But because of the grace, the love of God, because of his son, Jesus Christ, we now have a slate that is wiped clean and we are no longer judged based on the actions we've done or judged based on Jesus and his perfect actions. So we get to this place where now we can operate out of uh, out of God's grace. That is the, the essence of Christianity. But we have people who now are changing that into something that it is not and was never meant to be. So we have a priest in New York who is now saying that if you are a certain skin color, you are inherently wrong and broken, which, if you substitute different skin colors, is terribly racist. You can't be judging people based on their skin color. I think we all have known this for a long time, and yet, for some reason, when it's a certain skin color, we remember that. When it's another skin color, we forget that. Listen to this priest. I now invite you to stand and join us in the prayer for racial justice by responding yes to each of the following statements. Do you support racial justice, equity, and compassion in in human relations? Yes. Do you affirm that white privilege is unfair and harmful to those who have it and to those who do not? Yes. Do you affirm that white privilege and the culture of white supremacy must be dismantled where it is present? Yes. Do you support racial equity, justice, and liberation for every person? Yes. So as you heard, if you are white, you are bad and wrong, and it sounds like, to me, there is nothing you can do about it, which is a terribly dangerous thing to say. It's the same as saying, if you're black, you're wrong. This is terrible. We, we cannot judge people based on their skin color alone. Again, if I make a mistake, if you make a mistake, if anyone makes a mistake, we should be accountable for that under the law. And under God, we should repent of all of our sins and continuously do that, not to mention in the Catholic faith, which again, I am not Catholic, so I don't have a dog in this fight other than in a religious view to conflate something like skin color into a liturgy where you're supposed to be accepting your flaws in front of God is a very dangerous place to be. This liturgy, according to the Catholic faith and the the Catholic uh, ritual Uh, This is supposed to be a liturgy that is prescribed for this moment, not a liturgy that singles out a certain skin color or race or whatever. Again, very dangerous practice. Moving on. Second, and and again, I need to to preface that I'm neither a Catholic nor a Jew, uh, but both of these stories are important because this country is losing its mooring on Judeo-Christian foundation. And whether you are a Christian, a Jew, a Catholic, you know that the morals and values that drive society are really important. We are moving from 
morals like Ten Commandments, don't kill, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't covet the other things uh, that, that someone else has, right? The, those are Ten Commandments. Or the Jesus command, love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as God has loved you. Now we're moving to something more secular, more dogmatic. So over this Rosh Hashanah uh, holiday um, in a Jewish temple, one of the priests changed the reading from what should have been the Bible to something else. Again, I'm not Jewish. I have been informed that this reading should have been something like Isaiah or Samuel or another book like that. Again, and I can appreciate that from the context that I am a Christian and I do appreciate the Old Testament. I read the Old Testament. It informs God's character. It informs my character and my brokenness and tells us the complete story of God's salvation over time. So it's simply the Bible, and and the Bible is really important to read, to understand, to study. So as this Rosh Hashanah uh, celebration was happening, and what should have been Isaiah or Samuel or something else, the words were changed to words from Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now, I I don't have any particular problem with her, and I want to say I'm sorry for her loss. It seems like she lived a really long life, an influential life. Uh, I did disagree with with most of her ideological foundation, but uh, that's fine. I I can disagree with people. You can disagree with me. I I don't have a problem with that. Um, However, when you substitute something like Isaiah, a several thousand-year-old, wonderful writing, inspired scripture of God, to... (laughs) Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that's just a strange substitution. For instance, I wouldn't want you to substitute my words for Isaiah. That's terrifying. Obviously, I'm a nobody, and she did more than I did, probably more than I will ever do, and that's fine. But again, to substitute anything for anyone, for Isaiah or for the the book of Samuel or just Psalms, it, it seems like a really weird thing. And not only that, it was done in song form, which, well, let's just take a listen. I tell law students, if you are going to be a lawyer and just practice your profession, you have a skill very much like a plumber. But if you want to be a true professional, You will do something outside yourself, something that makes life a little better for people less fortunate than you. Compelling words, no? Uh, Though I I must admit I'm a little confused about the plumber part. I mean, are you supposed to want to be a plumber or do you, is it bad to be a plumber? Uh, No idea. Anyway, at the very least, it just it seems like in the context of what was happening here again, when it should have been the Bible, it should have been something from what I would call the Old Testament, or you know, in in Jewish traditions, called something else. That's beside the point. But at the very least, it seems a little bit sacrilegious to do this in a service, and at most, it seems I would say almost quite heretical, like a very strange. A very strange thing to include in in a worship service, you know, Jewish or Christian or Catholic or whatever. Just a strange, strange statement. At any rate, um, religion is very important, and, and that's why I'm talking about it. Hopefully, that's why you're listening to it. And religion, in fact, creates culture. The reason it creates culture is because it instills values, it instills morals, so that. When you go out and you walk around in this world, you act in a beneficial manner. You learn things like right from wrong. You learn what 
you should do and what you should not do. The reason this is important is in the other side of things, when you don't know what you're supposed to do or when you try to, this new religion that's coming out that I've talked about in some other podcasts, you can go and, and listen to that, but when you try to link morality to something other than God and his inspired word, the Bible, um, you, you come up with these really weird and meandering and, and fuzzy concepts of why you're doing what you're doing. And you begin to run into one another because you can't really land on what is really right and what is really wrong. Because all of a sudden you think that adopting dogs is the most right thing possible. And you think adopting cats is the most right thing possible. Well, who's more right in that? Uh, and you, how do you settle that? Where, what law do you go to for that? And what moral establishment do you go for that? And obviously that's a silly example, but you can see how you drill into, well, then what if I act this way? Or what if you act this way? And who's more right? And you just have these battles. And so when you've replaced liturgy with a confession of guilt, and if you've replaced ages old wisdom, and in fact, God inspired scripture with human ideas about not being a plumber or whatever that was about, all of this seems to be leading us not forward into a better moral landscape, but into this weird, I would say, idolatrous dystopia. And the third thing that I want to talk about today is that, you know, again, the unfortunate passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, again, we are sorry for her loss. I hear there's going to be uh, several services for her over this weekend, and I hope they go well. I hope she's remembered well. I hope the family and friends really have a wonderful time celebrating her life and celebrating all that she has done. One of the weird contentions out of this is an opening in the Supreme Court seat. I may discuss the ins and outs and political landscape of this later. I'm not going to do it right now. But to skip right to the church public issue, the faith and culture issue, one of the candidates for nomination is Amy Coney Barrett, who is a Catholic. Uh, she's a mother of seven, five biological, two adopted, which is is pretty amazing as a as a father of of a number of kids. Um, I know that having a lot of kids is both wonderful and a great blessing and makes you kind of crazy sometimes. But it's also it's it's good for the world. It's good for the world to have kids. Again, we keep having this this thought put upon us that having too many kids is going to explode the world because we'll run out of food and resources. But the actual, the actual thing is, is the opposite of that. We are going into, in America at least, it's not true in other countries, but in America, we are running into a population crisis that is going to destroy our cities from the inside out, both in economy uh, and city life. We're, we're on track to have 500,000 less kids next year. And that's, that's, a, that's a topic for another day. But anyway, Barrett has seven kids. And apparently the thing that, that she was, was accused of is being religious. So this is Senator Dick Durbin asking her, I've heard you describe yourself as an Orthodox Catholic. What is that? And apparently he doesn't know what a Catholic is, doesn't know what an Orthodox Catholic is. Orthodox, by the way, just means a mainline Catholic who believes in Catholicism in a very simple term. It has a little more nuance to it, but Basically, it just means that you're a Catholic and you practice Catholic things. So this is Dick Durbin asking Barrett, what does it mean to you to be a Catholic? Do you consider yourself an Orthodox Catholic? 
I am a Catholic, Senator Durbin. I, I don't, well, Orthodox Catholic, we kind of, as I said, in that article, we just kind of use that as a proxy. It, it is not, to my knowledge, you know, a term currently in use, but if you're asking whether I take my faith seriously and I'm a faithful Catholic, I am, although I would stress that my personal church affiliation or my religious belief would not bear on the discharge of my duties as a judge. So again, this is a very strange question, as if he has never heard of anyone being a Catholic before. But I think the underlying piece of this is a more uh, is a more suspect piece, because I think what he's actually saying is, do you hold religious beliefs? Because in this political sphere, you are not allowed to hold religious beliefs. In fact, you're not allowed to hold the religious beliefs that I disagree with, because obviously... Some politicians hold religious beliefs. They're just not Christian beliefs. And they're morphing into this other secular religion, this humanist religion that is based on good feels and good vibes and making the planet a wonderful place. Uh, uh, I heard Nancy Pelosi the other day say that Mother Earth is angry, uh, and that's why she's starting wildfires, um, which... You hear people say all the time, but think about that really. So are our top politicians actually believing that there is a deity that is Mother Earth, so some deity living in the earth, just like pagans believed thousands of years ago, and this pagan deity, Mother Earth, is angry with us for some reason, and thus is lighting California, Oregon, Washington on fire. Um, I, I guess anything is possible. And if you want to believe that, that's, that's your prerogative. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like when, when you lay out the evidence for, is there a divine being and what does that divine being do? And, and is that divine being just a malevolent being that on the spur of a whim, like mother earth decides to light the earth on fire when we're not being, appropriate and what is appropriate and is is how do we know which action is the appropriate action or perhaps as i would argue and maybe this is a topic for a different day but the god of the bible that has shown himself through time and the bible and circumstances and even science if we want to get into that that uh, he he is the the true god um who actually cares and doesn't want to light the earth on fire uh, anyway these are these are things that we have to we have to work through uh, but to get back to Barrett um, apparently you just can't claim to have faith and be a politician unless the faith suits whatever the the current cultural ideal is and it's just a weird thing so uh, then in, in, a, in a similar view I believe it was took place in the same interview with Barrett. Um, you have uh, Diane Feinstein asking her about her uh, faith and what it's going to do and how it's going to inform. And so let's listen to her talk about that. When you read your speeches, um, the conclusion one draws is that the dogma lives loudly within you. And that's of concern when you come to big issues that large numbers of people have fought for for years in this country. The dogma. Did you hear that? The dogma 
that this judge has is of concern. Why? Why? Because we're fighting for issues and your dogma might be in contrast to these issues. In another uh, interview, someone accused Barrett of saying that the idea of all things working together to grow the kingdom of God was a dangerous saying. But if you know any believer in Christianity, you know that Jesus said he's building the kingdom of God. So it's like the statement of, if you have a faith in God, you believe he's building the kingdom of God. If you don't believe that, I would say maybe you don't really even have a faith, right? Like what I've been saying for several episodes, in fact, all of the episodes now, um, and and I'll say all the time is that your whole life, when God says love God with your heart and soul and mind and strength, that's a Hebrew uh, configuration to remind you that it's with everything you have and in all that you do. That is basically the tenant, the kernel of Christianity. Everything that you do should be glorifying to God. Um, Many church historians, fathers, um, teachers have, have, have taught this for thousands of years now. Um, it's not, it's not a controversial statement within the church. Apparently now it's a controversial statement outside of the church, but the only reason that it is again is because there is this religious difference. There's a religious difference between if you think that God is good and you think that God is, wants to be, uh, growing you into the person you were meant to be and growing this world to honor and love him and honor and love one another, then you are going to order your world and your life in a certain way. If instead you think that there's something else going on, that it's a humanist, secularist society, or there's a mother earth, or that we're angering, or uh, or that it is all meaningless if, if you're more Darwinistic and then it's just survival of the fittest. So you have one, whatever, 40 or 80 year life and you better make the most out of it because that's all you get. I mean, if, if, if your ideology uh, and, and your theology comes to something different, then I, I guess you would order yourself in a different way. Then I get really confused though, because if you really are a Darwinist and it is really survival of the fittest and you really only have one go around. Why would you not be the most selfish possible, more Machiavellian in like getting everything that you can and taking everything you can from someone else? Because what's the point anyway? Why would you be nice? Why would you be kind? Why would you help someone else if this is all you really have? Uh, anyway, th- those are thoughts. But if there is a God and he cares about you, and he cares about me, and he wants me to love you, and he wants me to love everyone as much as I can. He wants to really for me to put myself second and make God first and and make you uh, as good as possible and and help you in every way um, that that I possibly can. I mean, that's a whole different mindset. It's a totally different worldview. And really that is the, the, again, the kernel of Christianity that has kept Christianity going despite incredible religious persecution for a couple of thousands of years and many societies and civilizations that tried to physically uh, and, and relationally and emotionally crush Christianity over the centuries. And yet it didn't because the idea of Christianity through the resurrection of Jesus is that it's not about me. And, and even if, if, I disappear off this earth, it, it doesn't stop 
God, and it doesn't stop uh, the truth of Jesus going out, and and that is what has kept it going because it, it's not about the individual, and it's not about getting everything that I want, and it, it, you know, in, in no way is that important. So, what I've been trying to do over these past few weeks, and what I'll continue to try to do until my voice is gone, is help you understand that there is a truth that there will be people in positions of power, both in and out of the church, that will be saying things that are dangerous and destructive and ultimately not scriptural, not gospel, not true. Um, People can say that you have your truth and I have my truth, but at the end of the day, I would say there is a truth, and the truth is based in Jesus. And you can subscribe to that or not. That is your choice. But uh, truth has stood the test of time, and I believe that it will stand the test of time again, regardless of me or whether I'm here uh, standing in the future. I, I know that God is going to continue to work out his salvation in me and hopefully in you as well. So I'm glad you joined us today. Hope you can understand some of this stuff. If you have comments, go ahead and send them over. Um, You can check us out at uh, churchpublic.com. You can check us out on some of the social media sites at Church Public. And I hope that you've enjoyed this time. I hope that you share it, uh, like it, and uh, tell your friends. We just want to grow this so that people can understand the true things and fight for what is right in this world um, with our words and uh, with good deeds. This is a time for us not to be silent. This is a time for us to speak and tell people about the love of Jesus and hopefully influence the church, influence the culture, and make a difference in this world. We can do this together. We all have the power to speak, and so far our speech has not been taken away, so let's use this freedom while we have it. Again, thanks for listening. God bless and keep the faith. Thanks for listening, everybody. I really appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead and like and subscribe. Check us out on churchpublic.com. You can check us out on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Church Public. Look forward to hearing from you. God bless. Keep the faith.